Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. With me is my co-host, a man who can literally teach sales with one hand tied behind his back, Darren Cecil. Darren, what are we going to discuss today? I think we get to have a podcast today, Dave. We get to have a podcast. Of course we get to have a podcast. We've decided to have a podcast. Yep, that's right. But a lot of times people will say, um, I have to do this. And, you know, I was reminded by um, Christine that we get to do something not have to do something. It's a privilege to be able to do it. It's a privilege to be able to share our perspective with listeners, don't you think? Oh, it is an absolute privilege. In fact, this is one of the favorite parts of my week is when you and I sit here and, I mean, let's be candid. I mean, we just get to spout off about whatever we want to spout off about and people are interested in listening to us. I mean, that is a true privilege. Yep. And I think we have people in, what, six continents or something like that? Yeah, we're, we're I think we're in all the continents, obviously, except for Antarctica. And, and, and it, by the way, folks, if you know anybody who's going to be exploring, please have them da- download us when we get there and we could be in seven of seven. Perfect. Absolutely. So, so what I want to do, I was thinking about this, so... My son was going to work today and and his mom was running late. And so he said, can you give me a ride? And I said, yes. And I, and we're driving. He goes, dad, I just want to thank you for all the sacrifices that you made throughout my life. You continue to do it, even though I'm older than 18 and just continue to do it. And I said, son, it's not a have to do this. It's a get to do this. And so that's why I thought we have a conversation today, get to versus have to. You know, I wish I had somebody give this conversation to me decades ago. Mm-hmm. Because as you just mentioned that, I started thinking about all the things that I thought to myself, oh, I have to do this. You know, growing up as a kid, for example, we we got a dog when I was about seven years old, Misty. She was, she was my first of many, many pets, many dogs since then. She was a great dog. And, I, you know, we where we lived in Philadelphia, um, we didn't have a we had a backyard, and but we didn't have a doorway to the backyard. It was uh, the, there's a driveway that went down the side of the house. And you had to open the garage door and then there was a, a chain on a run that we'd have under the garage door. So we'd hook up Misty to the chain so she could go in the backyard, and take care of business. And it was always like, oh, I have to put Misty out. Mm-hmm. The reality is I got to put Misty out. Because I got a dog mm-hmm. and she was great. We got to play with her and all these privileges. And if I had learned to reframe my mindset, mm-hmm. I'd have enjoyed, I, and I enjoyed her tremendously. You know, she was a great, great pet and a great first pet. But, you know, all those little things that perhaps are less enjoyable in life, we can enjoy that much more because we frame things up differently. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. And 
for me, if I look at it, because there's many things I, I feel I have to do. And I don't know about you, but when I have to do it, I have a bad attitude. I do it, as the word, begrudgingly. Is that the word? I think that's a good word, right. And, and you don't bring the energy to it that, you know, maybe it deserves or you deserve. Exactly. And the people or the dog I'm doing it for deserves as well. Yeah. So by reframing our mindset from have to to get to, we we elevate. You know, I, I watch a lot of cooking shows. My wife and I are foodies. And one of the common themes amongst, you know, really good chefs is to take a um, – a, a comfort food or a common food, you know, like a basic hamburger, and they'll, they'll elevate it. Hmm. And reframing from have to to get to is a way of elevating mundane experiences to something very special. Absolutely. Well, you and your business still to this day, I know you are a cold call machine to drive revenue for your business, true? Absolutely. I make, I have a minimum calls I have to make, I get to make, mm -hmm. I get to make every day. Mm -hmm. I, I typically double that minimum mm. uh, or more sometimes, but I get the privilege of making five cold calls minimum a day. And I, I truly enjoy cold calling. I know a lot of people don't. Mm -hmm. But it up until, what, 10 minutes before we started broadcasting or, or, or recording, when you, when you brought this concept to me, because this is not, not really one I had ever thought about before in terms of a reframe, mm -hmm. it still felt like I have to. Mm. Now, I enjoy doing it. But it's something I had to do, looking historically, you know, or have to do on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, if I get to do it, which I do, mm -hmm. it means I get to speak to strangers and perhaps create new relationships. I get to introduce my concepts to people who may not have heard of them before. Mm -hmm. I get to then execute my strategy, plan, and mission of replacing, thank God it's Friday with thank God it's Monday. Mm -hmm. What a privilege. Absolutely. And you get to have a career with unlimited income potential. You get to change people's lives. You get to make a difference in the world, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's interesting because you just brought up one of the, I think, biggest challenges that salespeople have which is cold calling. Mm -hmm. tip, typically, salespeople are strong either at the front of the sales pipeline, i.e., they're, they're great prospectors, mm -hmm. and so they don't they don't typically have a problem cold calling, or yep. they're great closers. Yep. But in either either case, they feel part of that process is a have to. That's right. Yes, absolutely. And imagine. If they just decided to say, I get to make a call, and as a result of this, this is what will happen next. Or I get to close this business. As a result of this, this is what will happen. Because there's not many people in our world that can do sales. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. That it's, you know, that brings up an interesting uh, experience of mine. So as, as our listeners know, and you well know that my true professional career started off as a Naval officer. Mm-hmm. And um, those were, you know, I, I remember back then I would meet strangers for the first time and, and people would say, you know, so what do you do? You know, I wanted to scream out. I was goose and top gun, but I've lived, you know, and really cool job. And this was amazing. Right. But of course, you know, with false humbleness and, and look, I'm just being candid. It was false. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I would say I'm a naval officer because I knew they would say, oh, or you serve on a ship. And I would go, no, I, I fly. And they would go, oh, what do you fly? I go, F-14s. And they'd go, F-14s? You mean like in Top Gun? And I go, yeah, I was goose, but I lived. And, you know, it was this sort of mm-hmm. false, but, you know, I, I knew it would come out and I felt great about it mm-hmm. and very proud to have done that. And then I left the Navy and I went into sales. Mm-hmm. We know what sales is, right? Mm-hmm. Sales are... Sales are people who try and take separate you from your money mm-hmm. to give you something that you may or may not need mm-hmm. just because they need to sell it. That's right. Right. That's the perception out there. And so people, what do you do? And I'd go, and folks, if you're, you're listening to this podcast, you can't see me, but I'm hanging my head down. I'm putting my hand over my mouth and I just sort of mumble, oh, I'm in sales, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> I wanted people to like me and nobody likes a salesperson. That's right. Right. right? Until I had a sales manager who had made his career in sales, didn't have a college education. I may have alluded to him before. He was, he was certainly what I consider my uh, uh, um, master's instructor in sales, a gentleman by the name of Alan Frischman, fantastic guy, phenomenal salesperson and phenomenal sales trainer. And he said something to me once. He said, nothing in this company, in this country, nothing in the world, in fact, moves no business happens until a sale is made and unless a sale is made. Right. He reframed what was I had to do, which was make sales, to a, what I got to do, which was actually spur the economy to bigger and greater heights. It's a whole different perception when you look at it that way, is it not? It really is. It really is. And, yeah. I, and I went from, from what do you do? Sales to what do you do? Sales. You know, it's even worse. It's someone that sells. What's that? Someone that teaches someone how to sell. Because people look at me and say, well, why would you do that? And you teach people to to lie and to rip us off. And and it's funny. I was talking to this person uh, the other day. And, you know, we believe in OK, not OK. We've covered that in a previous podcast. And this person said she taught geometry in junior high or high school. I made her feel like she was with Euclid in the bathtub when geometry was discovered. I made her seem like she was the biggest thing ever. And then she's like, well, and what do you do? I said, well, I'm a consultant. She said, what do you consult on? I said, sales. She goes, well, why would you do that? She actually said that. Oh, absolutely. And I said, I get to do that. For example, starting in April, I'm going to be training people from probably 20 to 25 countries around the world in my system. I get to change and shape people's lives. I get to provide opportunities for people that they'll never have ever. And it's funny, when I shared that, 
no idea what to say. Then went back to, I think the Pythagorean theorem was the next conversation, but I felt so good because I was like, you don't know. I want to say, I want to go Hollywood and go, you don't know who I am. You don't, you don't know what I do. What? You know, but of course I would never say that, but the dialogue in my head was clearly um, one of that sort of uh, comments in my head. So what, what a powerful technique, just simply reframing have to, to get to. That's right. That's right. And, but that wouldn't work in leadership though, right? When you're leading people, that wouldn't work at all. I can't imagine it would though. Would it, Dave? Well, you know, I, I'm thinking about a time um, when I had to counsel a sailor because they were underperforming. Mm. You know, what happens in the military is you, you know, you, you enlist and you get trained in your specialty. In the Navy, we call that going to A school. That's just mm -hmm. that's the basic level training. And mm -hmm. this, and then you get sent to the fleet for your first first position and job. So you come in. Maybe maybe you've made uh, a third class petty officer, the lowest petty officer rank in the Navy, and you're feeling all good because you latest and greatest electronics technician. You know exactly how to fix the electronics in an aircraft. Right. And of course, you get to the squadron and you're the FNG, which is the new guy. You can mm -hmm. figure out what the F stands for on your own. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we don't care what you just learned. Because you haven't proven anything to us yet. Right. And we have other jobs that there's no specialty for. Like there's no janitorial specialty. But mm -hmm. somebody has to clean the squadron spaces. Right. And in this particular sailor, he was assigned to what we call the first lieutenant's division, which is the fancy word for janitor. Mm -hmm. And so he was not happy because he mm -hmm. had to clean the squadron spaces. And so he got written up for under... Uh, for, for dereliction of duty because he wasn't doing a particularly good job. Mm -hmm. So I had to counsel him. And I, I didn't know this concept or I would have given it to him at the time. You know, but I, what I did to, to turn him around, and, and he did turn around became a great seller, um, was simply explain to him how his actions affected everybody else in the squadron and put, put him in their shoes if they, at the end of an 18-hour day, which we were working at the time getting ready for deployment, they came into a bathroom that was a disaster and how they would feel versus if they came into a bathroom that sparkled and shined. Mm. But if I had this technique, I'd have asked them to say, you know, you don't have to do this. You get to do this. Right. You get to make your shipmates day a little bit better by providing them a clean bathroom and clean spaces to work in so they can feel good about themselves at the end of a long 18-hour day. What a privilege that is. Mm -hmm. And you get to show off to the chiefs, the people who decide when you're going to be stuck, how long you're going to be stuck in this duty and how long you're going to get to go to the shop, that no matter what job you're assigned, you're going to do your best at. And by having that privilege of showing them that you could do great at a menial job, how many chiefs are going to fight to have you in their shop where they know when you're doing what you want to do you're going to even do better. Is it a tool that leaders can use? I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, probably not. Yeah, prob there's no, that story made no sense. Our listeners can't get anything from it. Of course, absolutely. What a great mind shift. Imagine for parents 
when kids say, I have to do my homework, you talk about you get to do your homework. And as a result of this, this is also what you get to do. We would probably have different kids, right? And to me, leadership is in all areas. It's in the home, it's in, it's in business, it's in, it's in everywhere. And I think in leadership, in business, it's I get to have a meeting with one of my coworkers today. I get to find out what's going on, why their performance is down. I get to be a problem solver and the opportunity to fix a behavior, right? And please. I get to enhance a team member's life by helping them improve That's right. by having a meaningful conversation of what's preventing them from performing. Yeah. Brilliant. Absolutely. It's a total mind shift that can work in anything we do rather than, oh, I have to do this. I mean, I had to take my son to work today. Now I have like a, a sore shoulder. I did not want to do it, but I get to, I get to spend 15 minutes with my son that I would not have today to find out what's going on in his world. And that is a privilege. It truly is. And, you know, it, there's another element that it occurs to me that this helps with. Not only does it help you in your attitude towards it, which means you bring more energy to it, but that energy is infectious. That's right. right? So the name of our part, podcast, Disarming Persuasion, if you get to bring high energy to every activity, if you get to bring high energy to a conversation where you're trying to guide somebody to what you hope to be the good decision for them, then is it possible that they'll be more receptive because they see that energy? Of course. I can tell you when I told my son today, I get to take you to work. I get to do this. I get to do that. He smiled. And to me, that shows he feels like we'll go back to the Ohio state master's degree in two sentences. People want to feel like they matter. People want to feel like they belong. And if you create opportunities, that people feel, feel like they matter and they belong, they'll move mountains. And I think that's what happens when you share things like I get to do this with you. I get to, it's a privilege. It's not something that's mandated. Even if it is mandated, it's a different mindset, which I believe what you're saying is infectious. Absolutely. And it's funny, as you said, talked about your son's reaction, I started thinking about, so let's go back to that counseling conversation that we were mm -hmm. just alluding to that you get to have. Yes. Right? But imagine it this way. You know, we're going we're gonna to role play this a little bit and, and we're going we're gonna to do the unimaginable. We're going to imagine that you are a screw up at work and I have to, and I have to counsel you. Okay. Right. Right. So. The, the first, that's this scenario would go something like this. Darren, could you step into my office? I have to talk to you about your behavior. Sure. What's the energy there? Oh, I'm trying to think about what has he caught me doing? How am I going to get out of this? What backpedaling can I do? And if nothing else, I feel like I'm about to be, to quote the term, rip the new one. Right. And you become, and so mind state starts to become, you become defensive, Very right? Much. Guarded, protected. Yep. Now let's reframe that. Darren, could you step into my office for a second? Um, I, I'm very excited because I get to 
opportunity to have a conversation with you about how you could be an even more productive employee, an even more productive member of the team. I have a smile on my face. I can't wait because I'm going to learn and I'm going to grow and I'm going to feel empowered. And so that simple phrase in my can really change the world. Totally can. I, I definitely agree. And imagine if everybody just did that. I mean, instead of have to, imagine the next week if our listeners just said, okay, I'm going to look at get to versus have to. And then see the difference that uh, that they feel and they experience and the behavior that changes. So I feel called now upon to actually give an assignment to our listeners out there. Please do. I, I, I think this would be a, a fantastic exercise that you, you get to do that mm -hmm. will improve not just your life, but the life of everybody you come in contact with. And it's a simple exercise. Make a list of everything that you feel you have to do. And then... Once you've listed them down, across from them, write down what that would look like and how it would look if you got to do it instead of had to do it. What are the benefits that either you or somebody else would receive or both because you got to do it? Right. I think that's incredibly powerful and I'm going to do it actually. Yeah, I, 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 this, this really, I think is a game changer. Mm -hmm. When I have to thank Christine, cause you know, she's smarter than I am as you know, so I just sometimes get great ideas and then share them. And I come across like I have insight and intelligence, but this is something that she brought up because she was um, just going to nursing school and, and someone said, Oh, too bad. You only have to interact with so many people on a daily basis. She said, I look at it differently. I get to interact with 100 people a day. I get to touch their lives. I get to look at how special each person is. And that's an incredible shift in focus rather than I, I have to, or I don't even have to do this much. I really want more. It totally changes people's perspectives when it's get to. And this is what I get to do today. Doesn't mean I don't want to strive for tomorrow, but I get to do this today. And I believe if you get to do something today, that's going to allow you to get to do more tomorrow. So have to is really a self-limiting belief, isn't it? Absolutely. Because it limits your ability to enjoy an activity as well as limits your ability to bring your full self to that activity. Absolutely. Right. If I picked up my son as a have to today and he gets in the car and I'm like, <sighs> want to let you know my shoulder's really hurting and I'm, I have to take you to work. Totally different mindset. How is he going to then as a new supervisor in a new position as an 18 year old kid going to go out his day thinking his dad had to do something for him and his dad is not happy with him? And then, of course, he takes that because we all learn. That's right. We all learn through uh, observation. Observational learning is is a huge part of the yep. human experience, and, yep. and not just uh, not not just humans, but we don't really need to go into the animal kingdom beyond us. And 
now he's working with his uh, team members. Yes. And he has to do something. Right. Or he gets to do it. Right. And he impacts 50 to 60 people every time he works and all the guests that come into that park. So every single guest who comes into this park, and this is uh, this is a major tourist park here in San Diego. We, yes. we won't identify it any more than that. Right. Um, but it's a major tourist attraction with, I don't even know the, the, the numbers of people who go through every day. And their experience, and they're spending, the, the ticket price for entry is not cheap. And they're right. bringing families there, and they're spending good, serious money, and then paying a lot of money for food and, and all right. the other things that go along with it. And he has the ability to impact, either positively or negatively, their park experience, That's right. their vacation, their cherished memories. The ripple effect on this is absolutely enormous. Mm -hmm. And it's just changing one word. You know, this reminds me of the story you hear all the time about uh, another park. And I'll mention this park's name just because they're so well known, which is the Disney Park. Mm -hmm. You know, you hear all the time that in Disney, the highest trained, best trained customer service people in Disney are the people who are cleaning the park mm-hmm. because they're out there every all the time, you know, picking up trash and emptying trash cans right there where all the guests are. And they get a lot of guest interactions. People ask, you know, where's this ride? Where's that ride? Um, you know, what do you, what do you recommend? Whatever it may be. And Disney recognized many, many, many years ago, decades ago that they have a direct impact on their customer experience. And so they get to talk to the customers every day. That's right. Yeah. Disney would not, Disney would, Disney would not be Disney if these people had a have to mindset. That's right. And you wouldn't be who you are with your clients. If you had a have to mindset. Well, you know, I'm, I'm blessed and I truly feel that way. Um, because I've been, I've elected to do something and I've, I've had the privilege of doing it. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, we've talked about Maslow's hierarchy and it's really about, you know, living at Mm self-actualization. And and as I think about this, this is almost a hack. It's a self-actualization hack. Mm Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Right? Because even if you're hungry, et cetera, right? And you're 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 living down at, at physiological needs where you just need to put food on the table, you can instantly put yourself up to self-actualization just by reframing this as a get to and and feeling like, wow, this is a privilege and, and it will give you that same sort of energy. And when you do that, I'm just thinking this through, when you bring that kind of energy, well, your esteem's going to feel good, yep. right? And you're, you will attract people to you with that energy, so you'll be part of a group, That's right. which of course makes you safer and feel more secure. And you'll be viewed better by your employers because of that, which gives you more safety and security. Mm-hmm. Right? So every level in Maslow's hierarchy supports the one below it. 
And if you could hack your way up to the top, you will virtually instantaneously fill in everything behind. Wow, Maslow's hack. I love it. Sounds like a sounds like a website. Yeah, or a rock band. I'm not sure. You know, <laughs> heavy metal maybe. It would definitely be heavy metal. Yeah. It's certainly not going to be uh, soft pop. Yeah, yeah, definitely not soft pop. So, all right. Well, you know, I think we may have some future conversations where we get the privilege of talking about other um, self-limiting beliefs and how we can hack them as well. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, we get to wrap up this show and produce it now. What do you think? We get to have our listeners respond back and let us know when they got to do the assignment you offered their experience. I would certainly appreciate and love to see that. Yeah, absolutely. So so let's do that, folks. If When you uh, get to finish <laughs> your assignment, you have the privilege of letting the rest of the world know what you discovered. Feel free to share it with us in our social media, Facebook, uh, contact us directly. All of our contact information is in the show notes. Mm-hmm. We'd love to hear from that. Some of you have reached out on LinkedIn with us and connected with us mm-hmm. uh, from around the world. And so we really, truly appreciate those connections. And um, one other thing before we before we wrap up. So Darren and I have realized that we also get to interact with you and we'd love to do it in a new way. So if you're having some challenges that you'd like help with, whether it's in sales or in leadership, contact us and we'd love to have you on as a guest and we will hot seat you right then and there. In other words, we will discuss your challenges and we'll help you through those. It's a privilege of ours to do that. And it's something we look forward to. So it's a new segment we'd like to start having on the show. If you're interested, reach out to the show. Absolutely. And if you think this is a value, please do us the honor in sharing this with your friends and loved ones, especially any episode, this one in particular, because I think this is a game changer and a life changer. And and don't forget, subscribe so you get notifications of uh, each new release. However, I will tell you... uh, 8 o'clock a.m. Pacific time on Mondays. That's when we're dropping each new episode. So if you're wondering about that, they come online every Monday, 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, which is minus, well, now with Daylight Savings Time, it's minus 7 Greenwich Mean Time, if you're unsure about all that. But, of course, we have the Internet, so you can figure that piece out. Fair enough. We also have phones that sometimes change it for us. So if we can't figure it out, absolutely. Right. But I'm speaking to our our, our listeners from around the world who are in various different time zones. Ah, you're right. I apologize. One thing I like to say, Dave, is I get to have another podcast with you. And what an honor it is. Nowhere near as big an honor as it is for me. You you, you know, you've been you've been a friend and a mentor for for a long time. And so this truly is an honor for me to to have gone from listening to you on your uh, sales manager minute at five o'clock on a local radio station mm-hmm. and just hope I get into my car in time to hear it to <laughs> um, to being one of your students and now being co-host here. 
That's awesome. I feel the same way, sir. All right. Well, then, until next time. See you, Dave. See you, Darren. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. My name's Dave Rosenberg. And this is Darren Cecil. Visit our websites at LockedOnLeadership.com or DarrenCecil.com. Follow us on social media. You can find the links in the show notes. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them.